Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. You know, if you're one of those people that sometimes get up and you're just kind of lethargic and, you know, I, I have to go to work and I have to do my day, I want you to look at it from a different perspective. Somebody who has enjoyed doing just that for many many decades. She is approaching 92 years old and still working at Xavier University in Ohio. And she's part of our Education Hall of Fame. And she says, I love talking with her. Dr. Roseanne Fleming, sister, is with us. Welcome back. How are you? Well, thank you so much, Steve. I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, How many years have you been doing what you're doing? I know it was like 50-something or more. Well, you mean here at Xavier? Here, Xavier, and in total. Well, I've been here at Xavier for 42 years. Prior to that, uh, I uh, was at uh, Trinity College, and uh, that's now called Trinity University in Washington, D.C. Uh, I was there for about eight years. And prior to that, I was at Summer Country Day School, where I became head of the school and um, had that administrative position for, for seven years. And then uh, I taught Latin all four years of Latin to from 1960 to 67. Prior to that, I I started teaching uh, for the Sisters of Notre Dame 1954 in September and uh, at Mount Notre Dame, which was at that time called Mount Notre Dame Academy. And I was there until 1960 when I went to Summit. So so that's kind of my my work history. Before that, I went to college at Mount St. Joseph. Uh, for four years, I boarded there. And uh, prior to that, I was at Summer Country Day School myself for 13 years. Unbelievable. So I, I've been doing what I've been doing in the broadcast world since I was 17. And I'm old. Um, <laughs> when you look back, does it, for you... And I'm based on my feeling, it doesn't seem like it's all those years. It just doesn't. Maybe, maybe half or two thirds of that entire time of your life working and all of that. Well, how does it feel for you? I think probably like, like you, like you're uh, t- uh, stating it. You wonder where the time has gone. Uh, you know, you're, you're conscious that you were in these various places and you were trying to meet people's needs in those various, uh, with those various opportunities, but it went fast and right. uh, looking back and it's still going fast. Uh, I'm, I can't believe we're going to be at February 1st tomorrow. <laughs> so, wow. so you know, the, the months go fast within the years. And, uh, people tell me that as you get older, it goes faster. So, uh, do you believe that? From my experience, yes. Uh, on a day-to-day basis, no, an hour still has 60 minutes in it. But um, I think you become pretty efficient at, at handling time, for one thing, and you get the most out of the time you have as you get older. Well, that, I need to have a conversation with you after we get off the air, because <laughs> I'm still... Uh, I will say this, and it's only in, been in the recent... I'm going to say a few months that I've tapped the brakes a little bit. I'm always been moving, 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 moving. Um, And I've, I used to look at not moving and doing things as a negative, 
But now I, I reverse the mindset and look at it more as a positive because I'm giving my body an opportunity to rest, recharge, think of things, have more clarity, uh, even just laying in bed on a, on a weekend, you know, hey, that's okay. Previously, always going. Um, your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's really very important. And you you have to consider how much recharging you really need. And uh, our bodies are, are very efficient, but we need to take care of them, not break them down from overwork. Uh, that, and that's very important as you get enough exercise, enough relaxation to come back and be totally recharge for the next day. Wow. So I want to I wanna look at your day and somebody that's been doing what you've been doing. Uh, I can't even figure out the math. You gave the numbers, you know, upwards of 60 years, I would say, yes. easily. Right. Um, Close to 70. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> math was not one of my stronger subjects. So let's, let's look at your typical day when you, what time do you wake up? I'm honestly, I'm, I'm fascinated. I really am. And it's not that you've been, you know, working 90 years, I'm sorry, not at 92 coming on, but it's more of the, your energy and passion is still like at, for me, I detect at the top of the scale here. So what what's what's your day like starting when you wake up and how does it go? What's the flow? Well, I have my alarm set if I need it, but I usually am awake a few minutes before my alarm goes off at at four o'clock, four a.m. Wow. And I do that purposely because as a religious, I have uh, a commitment to make sure that I spend enough time in prayer. So uh, I would say the first hour and a half of my day, the four. Four to five thirty, at least, is is in prayer. Uh, break it down between the rosary, meditation, morning prayer, and uh, then I have a half hour for breakfast. Then I take a shower and get dressed, and get over here by six o'clock usually. Wow! And uh, I like that because between six and eight, I can get things done that I have to do. For example, I teach class. Uh, several times a week, and I need quiet to be to be assured of quiet to prepare. I don't like to ever walk into a classroom and not know where we're going. It's not fair to the students. They're, they're paying us a good price for their, their education, and they deserve our best. So I, I spend like 6 to 8.30 uh, making sure that I'm able to um, get all the points across. I need to get a, a, across a, plan their tests, crack their papers, and do that that kind of thing. And then uh, if it's depending upon the day of the week it is, uh, I have I take another half hour out to go to mass, uh, either at 8.30 in the morning if I'm not teaching at Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, I go to mass at uh, 5 o'clock on campus. I mean, it's within two minutes of my office to walk over to the chapel. So it's not a big deal, but it, it's important to me to do that. Hmm. That's uh, the beginning of my day. And then during the day, uh, the doors open all day long here in my office. Students come in, try to do what I can to help them either with their essays or whatever whatever else, uh, whatever help they need. I attend certain meetings because I'm involved in some things, one of which is the athletic department. I serve as special assistant to athletics. So I attend certain meetings. I'm mostly in person now. I used to be for a long time, it seems, um, by Zoom. But 
even on campus, we would we would not have in-person meetings. But now it's mostly in-person. And then I, I've been trying to serve um, as special assistant to enrollment management. Uh, there's a section called uh, that we have uh, called success coaches who take care of a lot of different needs of students, uh, particularly psychological needs, um, trying to meet meet social, economic, financial needs, whatever, whatever needs they have in addition to any help they need for succeeding in their academics. And uh, that's a fairly new group here uh, on campus and is expanding all the time. Uh, students have, universities are different today. Students have a lot of need, uh, needs that we do take care of today that we didn't back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Let, so. Let's let's address that for just a moment. When you say needs, is it also by and large emotional needs in that kind of situation? Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, and I, I can't account for for the uh, origin of, of all these needs with, with people, but I think a lot of it is that um, times have changed. Mm. Uh, just Just the amount of money that a student needs to go to college today is absolutely uh, urgent in their minds. And they know, most of them know, and they've decided with their families how much they are responsible for. So the family can take care of a certain amount. But beyond that, students have to earn money during the year as well as during the summer. I can remember days where students worked during the summer because they just wanted some cash in their pockets and they didn't want to bother their parents if they were in college and pay for the gas in the car or something. But now it's, it's a more total thing. It's, a, you know, a package mm. that they have to earn in addition to going to class. So, and getting some, some work done based on that class. So, yeah, the needs are very different and we try to help them all we can to meet those needs. Wow. Um, tell me about the class. And by the way, before we even get into that, the needs, the emotional side of things, I believe we students already they always had those, but now we're more open to discussing what's going on mentally and challenges somebody might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're you're right, Steve. It used to be a, a, like a really secret thing. <laughs> right. You needed some help figuring out how to deal with a, a problem. Now, now, fortunately. Uh, students feel more able to talk about that and and we want to help we, yeah. because they can't learn if they're all tied up in in an emotional crisis sure sure i mean even for adults if you went back even 20 years and said yeah i'm going to be busy later and be talking to my therapist there might be a little awkward silence for a moment there's you know somebody might look at you but now it's like a friend yeah i'm gonna go talk to my therapist well it's, it's a recognition that this is a healthy person a hundred percent all right so the class that you teach tell us about that the class i teach is uh, called sport at the service of humanity i took that title well in my class i say comma or is it so that i make them think mm. is it really is that what sport really is? I took the first part of the title, Sport at the Service of Humanity from the uh, the Vatican, uh, held a conference in 2016. And I didn't know about it until later, but um, they did hold this conference. They call it the first conference uh, of faith and sport. And the purpose of it was to evaluate 
by getting 400 people together that were picked out uh, scientifically, we might say, 200 that served in the various churches throughout the world and 200 that served in sport uh, from commissioners, owners of teams, great famous players, and so forth. And this conference was held in Rome, hosted by the um, the Pope, actually, Saint uh, Pope Francis. And uh, they declared six principles that were, uh, if you, if sport were to be used with faith to, throughout the world, these six principles were acceptable to people of all faiths. And they felt that for sport to be a saving factor to the populations throughout the world, these principles had to be evident. One was compassion for people with injuries and so forth. Another one was respect, respect for coaches, respect for other players, respect for our competition. The third one was love, uh, bonding with your team. Uh, They're having your back and so forth. Uh, And recognizing that the uh, excellence of the competition. The fourth one was called enlightenment. And enlightenment stood for uh, knowing that winning wasn't everything, that there is so much more that comes with sport than just winning. Competition, one, one, one side or the other is going to win. But you don't lose everything when you don't get the, the win. Uh, you have to remember all the good you get out of sport, the body training, the nutrition, uh, the constant care, uh, health, and your companionship with the team, your your oneness with somebody outside yourself trying to do something that's greater than any of us together. And using your talents, your God-given talents. Not everybody is is using it uh, at the same level of excellence, but your God-given talents are things that most of us that have been involved in sports one way or the other value. And so the, and the uh, fifth one, uh, the fifth uh, principle was balance. Do things hmm. in a way that are reasonable. Use reason as, as your guide. Uh, don't, you know, uh, try, try to know that you can learn from your, your failures. You can come back. And the, the last one is joy. And that, I think, uh, for people of all ages and all times, and you can go back into history and uh, look at look at it, it's a question of real sport ends with joy in the exhilaration we got from it. And, uh, you know, sometimes when students are worn out, we, we know we've gone too far. <laughs> That's, if, the, if this becomes a, a job, if this becomes something that's exhausting, if this becomes something that upsets me, then uh, we have to look and see what's what's going on because they should be ending up with a feeling of I've I've done it, I've used my talents in a way that's made me relax, made me totally feel that that I'm in I'm in the zone, mm. and uh, I'm I'm using my best. So that that's kind of the the emphasis within we we take a look at at a lot of different people but we look at it with the lenses of the six disciplines is this really something that's going to make the world a better place is this something that's going to like save humanity 
I want to uh, go back to what you said, and it's like the thing that all parents tell their kids in that it's not who wins, it's how you play the game. Absolutely. You yeah. can learn from your, your, your failures if you look at it in the right way. How, did, you know, how much more do I need, did I need to do? Right. Was it concentration? You know, sometimes when you see a ball drop, you think, where's your mind? <laughs> They're in the middle of the floor, right. middle of the field. Yeah. Well, that, that brings me to what you led right into what I was thinking in that, do you feel that everything we do in life is designed as a lesson? We're here to learn. That's why we were placed on this planet. We're here to learn and help others. Do you feel yeah. that? Yes. Uh, yes, I, I think it's got two sides. And just picking up on what you said, yeah, I think we're here to to serve God and others. Let's put it that way. Uh, in doing that, I think we need to reflect on our experience in serving others. Is it really service? Is it really what they need? Uh, can we do more? And that kind mm. of thing. Mm. Uh, and... And I think we need to be very sensitive to the fact that we listen to what they need. It's not just doing something that we think should be done to others or for others, but meeting a need that the other person has. I think that's very important. I, in the last number of years, go by this one thing, and it's just do the right thing. However, not the right thing by just you. It's for the greatest good of all. Right, right. So, that's, that's true. Yeah. It's it's a delicate blend because sometimes we immediately think that, all right, well, that's the right thing. That's the way it should be. But maybe that's just for you. It doesn't affect the <laughs> yeah. other person. So you have to look at it through their eyes. Sure. Uh, got a few minutes left. I'm going to go a little deep here. You start your morning with prayer. What happens? A lot of people struggle with this. They'll say, I, you know, I want to pray. I'm not really sure if I'm doing it right. What do I say? What should I be thinking? Uh, you know, I don't think there's a wrong way to pray, but what, what's it like for you? I know there's a blend between the rosary, a meditation. Take us through that. Just want to look at that. Well, I think there's a difference between formal prayer and, and meditation. Um, I don't even, I don't know the difference. I know what they are, but I don't know the difference between the two. Well, in formal prayer, you're, you're saying something by rote, the father, our father, okay. the Hill, okay. the glory. like the rosary, right? Right. And I mean, essentially um, we've been trained to think of what we call various mysteries of the rosary while we're saying that. So that just saying rote doesn't get, you know, gives us a, an opportunity if you're reflecting on a, on a mystery to be in the presence of God and to think about his coming to this earth and what he's done for us and be grateful for it and, 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 and be uh, encouraged by his resurrection and so forth that we too following him will, will have an eternal life. So there are ways in which saying the rosary will enable you to also have a kind of a transcendent experience uh, what I do next is say the morning prayer from the brewery, which is prayer for the whole church throughout the world. People that are in our church, maybe many other churches, 
have a set prayer that helps us remember the needs of all people uh, for God in their lives to help them uh, see the right thing to do and to choose to do that right thing for his glory. And that so that that prayer varies from time to time in the year uh, with the movement of the liturgy, but at least it's a, a way that I see of of being having the the needs of the world in my prayer rather than just my own and then the meditation basically is the easiest of all it's really a conversation with god and uh as as long as you uh understand how how much he loves us and i don't know that we can ever fully understand that but have an awareness of it uh have a conversation with him for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I try to do at least 30 minutes a day. And ask him to help you with problems that you're having, how to solve them, how to react to them, how would Christ have handled this? And and sometimes it's like you, you come out of meditation thinking, do I really have to do that? And you know in your heart you do. I mean, if you if you want to serve Christ, you want to be Christ to others, you do. And it, it's strengthening for the day, and it gives you a a goal that probably wouldn't um, happen spontaneously in our busy world if you didn't take the time to to think about it. Thank you for that. I'm going to ask one final question, just a yes or no answer. We all get challenged. Life is a challenge. It's beautiful. It can be a challenge. In your entire life, was there a moment, maybe even a fleeting moment, whatever it might have been, was there ever a moment where you doubted God? You wondered about the existence of? No. Okay. No. I mean, I came from a family that was really oriented towards towards raising children to know God. And uh, that's why I, I think it happens to a person like me early in life. I have not had that experience yet. I like how you said yet. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that you're open. You know, so far it's been good. <laughs> you know, but right. but but you're a realist. You're a realist in saying that you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. You have faith, it's all good, mm-hmm. but yet yeah, you never know. You never know. I always say, you know, never say never say never. Never, you know, because you don't know what how it's going to go, whatever it might be. Uh, Roseanne, always great talking with you. Uh, it, it's fascinating your your legacy, what you do for the students there. It it goes without saying, but I'm I'm going to say it. Um, you care, you love them, uh, you, you love what you do, and God, and all of that. And uh, proud to say that you are a PhD professional of the year. Thank you so much for being here again. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I've enjoyed our our meetings. You too. Yep, be well. We'll be right back. Thank you. Bye. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. 
Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.